In a year of so many changes, finding like socially distant chats now a normal thing. I wonder if you guys have ever had a mask faux pas. Put your hand up if you've had to take a detour somewhere because you forgot your mask or, yeah, hands everywhere. I was actually, I once used a mask for a hairband because I needed to tie my hair up, multifunctional. And last week I was rushing to get back from my home group. On Tuesdays I have back-to-back -back meetings here. It's a great time to connect with the team. And I was rushing to get back because I've got an awesome home group, love you all. And, um, and I was like, oh man, I need to get food for everyone. So I'm driving home, get in the house, grab my mask, forgot my mask, nightmare, you know when you get outside the shop and you're like, detour back home, collect it. Throw my keys in the bowl, leave the house, and the door slams shut. <sighs> nightmare, I was like, <laughs> and this, guys, is the second time it happened in the month. <laughs> and none of my, like, my housemates weren't around to help me, help me this time. And I was like, no. So uh, on the phone to the locksmith, on the phone to my mum, who's the landlord, she's giving me a bit of air. He's like, I'll be there as soon as you can. So I'm sat outside my front door, questioning all my life choices. Like, what is life? How have I done this again? And then I'm thinking, the home group are about to arrive. I don't have a lot of time. And then it dawns on me. Everything is everywhere at home. Kate's a tidy one, and she was out of the house. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my gosh, I've got like three loads of laundry everywhere. I've got papers and rubbish everywhere. My cat food's everywhere. The recycling bags were out ready to be taken that I didn't eventually take. Nightmare, and I'm like, all my shame is going to be on show when my group arrive. And the locksmith, what's he going to think? He's going to walk in thinking I'm an absolute messy person. Anyway, so I'm freaking out. He arrives. I start to calm down a bit, and he drills around the lock, finally get into my house, and I he's like, can you, like, he was asking me all these questions, and I was like, I just need to clean the house, so I'm frantically cleaning things, shoving things in cupboards, hiding things under carpets, whatever I can, like, hide my stuff in, and then at the end, he looks at me, and he's like, I've finished now, I'm like, okay, and he goes, you, have you got a dustpan and brush, and I was like, yeah, and then he starts sweeping up for me, this locksmith I'd never known obviously felt sorry for me saw the fear in my eyes so he starts sweeping up the floor he's tidying my console table I was like what do you do cleaning as well anyway so he goes off he leaves and uh and I finished cleaning the house and the home group arrived and what was funny was a member of the home group was like Anna how do you keep your house so clean I was like you have no idea <laughs> don't go in the cupboards you'll see everything that I've shoved away and I wonder if you can relate to that in life, everything looks good on the outside. Social media looks good. Personal stuff looks perfect on the outside. Looks together. But actually on the inside, we've just shoved things in cupboards. We don't want our shame to be on show. What if we really showed the world who we really were? Would that be accepted? And in this scripture, I'm going to unpack what John the Baptist is saying. He's kind of saying, sort your lives out. Jesus is coming. And there are three areas, three places to be immersed in that I'm going to talk about as we unpack this scripture. And the first place is be immersed in the presence of God. Matthew 3 verse 1 says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent or return to God, for the kingdom of heaven has come there. This is the one who has spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make paths straight for him make paths straight for him and he's not talking about construction site outside like the jubilee when we all make way for the queen or whoever he's talking about internal paths make your thought life straight for him sort out that internal narrative like martin talked about last week that thing that we can go to for comfort sort it out jesus is coming make paths straight for him the house might look messy so let's clean it up 
clutter-free for Jesus. It goes on to say, John's, cl John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was lo locusts and wild honey. This is wild. I was like, what? Why is that information in the Bible? Why do I need to care about his get-up and his, what he's wearing and the gums and his food? Why do I care? And then I read into it, his clothes were made of camel's hair. That's so rogue, but camel's hair was really rough. It was uncomfortable. And he was this religious teacher. And religious teachers in the, in the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees would wear their, their luxurious clothes. They'd be clothed in luxury, but internally empty. So John the Baptist, his kind of outward look appearance was all about what his internal narrative was, which is, I'm, I'm happy to be uncomfortable if it means internally I'm going to represent Jesus. And I'm not saying you need to wear camel's hair. You all know I like me some fashion. But I am saying, what are we displaying on the outside that reflects our internal values? He ate locusts and wild honey. I don't know what wild honey is, but to be fair, it kind of sounds nice. But what does that mean? It represents purity. He ate food that was kosher, that represented what was pure in his day. He feasted on purity. What are we feasting on? What are the stuff, what's the stuff that the thought patterns, the habits with our phones or what we're watching on TV or the things that we go to that probably aren't that best for us? What are we feasting on? Is it insecurity? Is it lies? The Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I wonder what it is that we're taking in, that out of the overflow of that, we're saying yes to as a result. What are we feasting on? How are we speaking? What are we feeding on in our lives? What are we nourishing our hearts with? John the Baptist was baptizing people at the River Jordan. And this is a significant place. It had years and years of history with God. And people were coming from the wilderness. To, in other words, they were coming to the desert to be baptized, to be fully immersed. Sometimes we need to leave what's comfortable, our comfort zone, to be fully immersed in the presence of God. We might need to leave a thought pattern. We might need to leave a habit to be fully immersed in what God has for us, a promised land. The Jordan River was a significant place because it represented a line in the sand. It was right between the, the desert, an uncomfortable wilderness place, and a promised land. So in other words, when we, leave what's when we leave what's comfortable, when we step outside of our comfort zone, there's a promised land for us. It might look like the desert. That's okay. You're in good company. There might just be a promised land on the other side. Crowds were coming to him to be fully immersed leaving what's comfortable. It could even be leaving the comfort zone of limiting our relationship with God and stepping out in faith to say, maybe God actually does want to use me. I know that was my story. I was so comfortable in hanging at the back thinking people didn't want to know me. I'd gone through so much in life. I've gone through so much shame, broken relationships, abuse, changing my body physically to fit what someone else thought I would be perfect. I'd do anything for love. Sometimes that, it means leaving that place of uh, what looks like security, but actually it's just a covering for our insecurity and stepping out to say, God, what have you really got to me? Got for me. Sometimes it might look like being fully abandoned in worship, might look uncomfortable, might feel undignified, but there's a promised land for you. So be immersed in the presence of God. The second place for us to be immersed in is our identity in God. We see in verse 7, the religious rule abiders and law-thirsty teachers, otherwise known as the Pharisees and the Sadducees, turned up. And John the Baptist says to, him, says to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and don't think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. How savage is that, you brood of vipers? Can you imagine saying that to someone? What does that mean? 
you brood of vipers. The word viper in Aramaic basically references when scorpions mate and they produce, they produce a young, both parents die. And so the, the baby scorpion is born into the world as an orphan. So John the Baptist is saying, you spiritual orphans, you're relating yourself to Abraham. You're saying we've got all these laws and these rules, but actually it's out of duty because where's your heart at? You're not relating yourself of who the law actually comes from, from our father. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were just like that story at the start, who were clothed in luxury, but internally empty, messy, things shoved down, looks good on the outside, nothing to see here, social media looks great. Don't know if you've ever felt like that. Everything, nothing to see here, everything's good. I'll shove it in a drawer, no one will see, I'll throw it in a cupboard. But actually, internally, they were messy. And he's saying it's about identity. He, say, he, he goes on to say, I'll tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham, which is another play on words. He's at this crossing place, the Jordan River, and he's throwing it back to when Joshua led people through the river, and as a memorial, they put 12 stones around marking the 12 sons of Israel. And so he's saying, out of these stones, and in Aramaic, the word for sons and the word for stones, the word in Aramaic and Hebrew, stones and sons sound similar. So he's actually saying, God doesn't build his house with stones anymore. He builds it with spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. In other words, it's not about going to church, doing the right thing out of duty and just because that's what we should do, but it's about accepting our full identity in Jesus as a son and as a daughter, saying that's who I am. I'm not going to do it just because I I think I should, but it's because I can't help but wanting to be known as a son and a daughter of God in our Heavenly Father. Let me ask you this. Is your identity in alignment with who God calls you? Wanted, worthy, accepted, forgiven, Do you associate yourself with those words? Because sons and daughters know that they have full access to the Father and he embraces them. Sounds like they're having a good time outside. I don't know if you can hear that. But that Nerf gun's going down well out there. I might get myself one later. He goes on to say, the axe is at the root of the tree and every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be thrown into the flat fire. The axe that he's talking about is is the word of truth. So let truth be at the root of everything we do. Let that be at the source, because the person of truth, Jesus, when he's at the root, we can't help but produce good fruit. When we're feasting on Jesus, we can't help but produce good fruit. And then he says that even when it doesn't bear fruit, it'll be thrown into the fire. What's the fire? He's talking through the lens of the redeeming love of Jesus. He's talking about the refining fire. And um, my story of the refining fire is last year I was processing some stuff and I found myself feeling really anxious and I was going to God and I was asking him questions like, where are you at? I can't hear you. I'm not experiencing you. I'm not feeling you in worship. Where are you at? Have you ever asked God those kind of questions? And my mom said to me, Anna, did you know that when a craftsman is refining silver and gold, he puts it into the fire and he actually never takes his hand off it because he's a craftsman and he doesn't want it to be scorched. And he knows when the metal will be ready because he can see his reflection in it. Mum's a wise. <laughs> I don't know about your mum. My mum is a wise woman. She's like, Anna, God never takes his hand off you. You might feel like you're in the refining fire, but it's just impurities been burned away. So you can look more like Jesus. He'll know when you're ready because you'll look more like him. And the stuff that's fallen off, that's all right. He's refining you. Guys, he never takes his hand off you. It might feel like some stuff that you're going through is in the refining fire that's okay. He's just burning away the impurities so you look more like him as a son and as a daughter. You won't be scorched. Let's produce fruit 
at the root with truth there. So we look more like Jesus. So be fully immersed in identity in God. The third place to be immersed in is in the fire. Verse 11 says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes the one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. And he'll baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he'll clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He says, I'll baptize you. To be baptized is immersed. I will immerse you with water so you can repent, which is to return back to God. But he's saying there's someone else and you'll be fully immersed with the Holy Spirit. You'll be fully immersed with fire. And he goes on to talk about the winnowing fork. And I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to words. So I googled what a winnowing fork is because I'm clearly not a farmer. And the winnowing fork is when they gather wheat, the farmer would gather wheat and he'd throw it up in the air and then the wind would separate the wheat from the chaff. And so anything that wasn't producing fruit, it would be burnt. Where the, where, the, where the wheat and Jesus is gathering us up and in his kindness, he says, I'll breathe on you. In other words, I'll bring you life. I'll refresh you with my presence and I'll separate the stuff that isn't causing you good anymore because he can't help but produce life in us. Like Adam, he breathed into Adam to bring him life and that's what he does with us. My story has a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've gone through a lot of shame and trauma and rejection and disappointment. It felt like my so that's all my song lyrics were that I was singing over my life. I'd been through so much stuff and shame. And in 2019, I was going through another really painful time of a broken relationship. I felt totally heartbroken. I felt no hope. I was quite literally hopeless. And I remember getting home from work and I dumped all my stuff in my, in my room and I sat on the side of my bed and this Instagram live notica notification came up on my phone. So I opened it up and it was a live from the ministry school I was at in California. And I never usually open those notifications up. And, and it was two of my pastors from ministry school and they were saying, there's someone watching this video right now and you're going through the fire. And they said, but you need to remember that the nature of the fire is to burn away the bad and solidify the good. Sometimes we need to know the nature of the fire. When his winnowing fork gathers us and that stuff in life gets thrown into the fire, that's good because his hand is on us. And the nature of the fire is to burn away the stuff that isn't helping us anymore. And in that time, I felt like God was burning away shame I was holding on to, burning away some thought habits that just weren't serving me very well. It might feel like the fire, but, and although God doesn't ordain the trauma, he can use it for his glory. I, my, my life is a testimony of that. Whatever he's burning away in you, God is good, so it's always going to be good. Yes, I felt out of my comfort zone, but that was okay because he led me to promised land. He led me to where I am now. Even though he was in the midst, I could feel his love again, pulling me back into his heart pulling me back into identity with him. And sometimes we need to leave those anxious spaces or the shame that we've been holding on to. It might feel messy and unsure, but God can handle it. He's the ultimate locksmith. He's the one that can make a way into our hearts. He can strengthen us. And maybe this is a Jordan River moment for you, a line in the sand, an uncomfortable place that leads us to where God has, a place that God has for us. If so, let's decide to be as a, a community, to live a holy life. Let's decide to be immersed in the fire of the Spirit, to say, God, I'm all in. I'm all yours. You're so worthy of it. It's about throwing that winnowing fork up into there and asking God to refresh it, to breathe on it, bring it life. He can't help himself but do, do that and bear fruit in us. 
And in this whole scripture, John the Baptist is talking about the fire of the Spirit. In other words, he's talking about purity and holiness. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's you. You are chosen. You are wanted. And God calls you into a place of holiness. He says that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's who you are. Two words I never thought I would associate myself with was purity and holiness. In youth group, that was the talk I was going to miss. I was probably out there doing the stuff that we're saying don't do. Purity and holiness was not the one. I, did. I just never thought my story could associate myself with that. But instead, God calls me holy. And when I finally got it, when I finally got my identity in Jesus, I got the word holy tattooed on my arm. I'm not saying go get yourself a tattoo saying holy, although if you do, I've got a good guy that you can go to. But I am saying mark it on your heart. Get it in your head. He calls you a holy nation. He calls you a royal priesthood, regardless of what you think about yourself. He calls you holy. There's a constant invitation for us to be more whole, more whole, more holy, and more pure. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but I am saying there's always an invitation there for us to accept that and move in that and live in that holy, pure, set apart. God wastes nothing. My life and your life is a testament of that. He can't help himself but bring you life. Holy means dedicated, sacred, connected to God. That's the invitation, a connection with him. It's not an invitation for him to reprimand you and make you feel bad about yourself. It's an invitation for his heart to be connected to your heart. The ultimate tidying of our house, of our internal world, is through Jesus and responding to him. It's been immersed in the Holy Spirit and allowing him to come in and move all the stuff to make a way, to make the clearing. It's the work of the Spirit clearing the mess. Let's allow the Holy Spirit and let's respond to him. A continual clearing of our internal world, of our actions, of how we're displaying ourselves and saying yes to Jesus to meet with us. Hosting the presence of God. Like I wanted to host my home group and I had to clear all this stuff away. Let's have a little tidy up inside and host the presence so other people can meet with Jesus. Nothing to hide, no shame, just the presence of God that hosts a spirit-filled life. Amen.